0: but I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair.
1: Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet.
0: Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Powers.
1: And I'm Megan Francis. And you're listening to a special series from the Mom Hour podcast
0: called Pandemic Perspectives. In this series of episodes, we're talking to parents and people from around the world whose lives are affected by the COVID-19 global pandemic in a way that might not make it into your social media feeds quite as often.
1: You'll hear from families on the front lines experiencing an unprecedented time in a very specific way, and you'll hear what's challenging as well as what's hopeful. We can't wait to share their stories with you. Welcome to Pandemic Perspectives from the Mom Hour.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Powers, and you are listening to Pandemic Perspectives on the Mom Hour. Today, I am talking with Janice, a stay-at-home mom of two who lives in Melbourne, Australia. Janice, thank you so much for being here. And tell us a little bit about your family and how old your kids are and just about your family situation right now.
2: Um, Okay, so as you said, I'm a stay-at-home mom and my kids are Evan. He's seven years old and Noel is four years old. Uh, So my husband lives in China. He works there with British Telecommunications. Um, before we, I became a solo parent, we used to live in China as expats. Uh, so my, my youngest one, Noel, was born there. Okay. Um, but my husband decided um, to stay on while I came back with the kids first to Melbourne. And that was purely because of my son's uh, education. So I think it's called differently in america i think you guys call it preschool and then kindergarten Mm -hmm. i think um whereas we do kindergarten and then uh prep and then grade school okay um so we came back um and that was july 2017 and evan was like five years old okay so he did half a year of kinder and then um prep and then grade one and now he's in grade two
0: Okay, so he's seven. And so Mm -hmm. before the pandemic, before all this went down, how often was your husband commuting back? How often was the family reunited together? And were you ever going back to China?
2: So he comes back, well, before the pandemic, every three months or so. Um, I haven't been back to China uh, since then. Okay. Um, I think it's just sort of like a it's just too hard to travel by myself with two kids sure. and like you know we left we packed every most of the things back to to melbourne so if we went back to china to the apartment there there's kind of like nothing there for the kids right and um my kids have lost pretty much all their chinese okay. um so if we were to go back and then you know we wouldn't have access to english language television yeah <laughs> that's and important. Then what, <laughs> am I, yeah, what am I going to do in an in apartment with no toys and no YouTube and no Netflix? Like, what are we going to do?
0: That's so funny. Yeah. So when your husband was coming home every three months, would he stay for mm-hmm. a little bit? I'm just trying to paint the picture yeah. of what this was like. And then we'll talk about how it's changed. So he yep. would come um, home and you'd be reunited for a bit.
2: Yep. So he'd come back for about I don't know, ten days to two weeks and then he would be working from home the entire time. Okay. Um, uh, some days he would go into the C B D and go to the British telecommunications office and do a day there. But most of the time he would be at home so we'd have like solid family time together mm-hmm. and then he'd leave again. So it's like a it's a you know, it's like a typical long distance relationship right. where you meet up every now and then. Right. Um, but then you have really long dis uh long periods of time where you're Park.
0: Right, right. I can think of mm-hmm. here, you know, military families go through that sometimes right. and, and other right. families in situations. So then let's mm-hmm. talk about the timing of the pandemic. Um, first mm-hmm. of all, let's skip to the present day. How long has it been since you've seen your husband and where is he right now?
2: So he lives in Shenzhen and uh, the last time we saw him was sort of, I think, uh, mid-January. So he came uh, somewhere in early January for, like, you know, the the, the routine three-month mm-hmm. visit. Um, at the time, his parents were here for the summer break because, you know, it's nice yeah. for them to come and spend some time with the kids. And then they all went back to China just as the pandemic was really starting to um, explode all over China. So they went back, and then pretty much, like, a week after, they were in full lockdown.
0: Wow. Yeah, as we record this, that's now been more like closer to four months almost. And Mm -hmm. when will you get to see him again? I mean, how how is travel affected back and forth now?
2: We really don't know when we'll see him again because I think Australia has closed its borders. And anyway, he's an Australian citizen, so he can come back. But I think it's just um, the logistics of actually getting out of China and Mm -hmm. getting into Australia, whether there are any flights. And, um, you know, there's also that a problem with him having to self-isolate for two right. weeks or something like that so it was sort of like I think just playing it by ear and just seeing how it goes but um, not likely that we'll see each other for quite a while um, so I think it was just really unique for us uh, living in Australia and having that really close connection to someone in China when the pandemic was starting to really explode there and it's kind of like you know when you watch a horror movie and there's like a, a foreshadowing yeah and you sort of see it coming but then you know it's gonna hit but you just don't know when <laughs> so it was kind of that feeling of going oh, like seeing him like he was um explaining to me how it was like for him just to go to the shop like he would get out of his condo they'd take out take his temperature and then he'd go to the supermarket and they'd take his temperature um and then when he went back to the condo, they check his ID, he'd take his temperature and just make sure that he lived in the complex before they let him in again. Wow. So there's all these extra security, like the lockdown there was like full on. Yeah. And um, in Australia, was, I think stage three lockdowns out of stage four, um, uh-huh. stage three out of four lockdown. So it's sort of like we can still go out to the park, um, like the playgrounds are closed. Right. But we can go and just have a walk around. Um, going to the supermarket's kind of hard with the two kids because I'm a solo parent. Yeah. And I do get looks from people. I mean, yeah. like, no, four years old. And, you know, if I don't put him in the trolley, he just runs everywhere right. and touches everything. And then, I don't know, he eggs the, the older one on, and then suddenly they're touching everything. And I'm just, stop touching things. Right. Just keep your hands, <clears throat> keep your hands in your pockets.
0: Oh, my but, gosh. You know, we, uh,
2: yeah. young kids um it just doesn't happen that way so how I've gotten around it is lately I've been sort of shopping at the Asian groceries a bit more
1: mm-hmm.
2: um because there's like three Asian grocery shops around my area and um it's more usual to see people out with their kids in the Asian grocery store mm-hmm. and I just I don't get those looks from people as well Interesting. so I kind of feel like um I don't know yeah. They first there. Yeah, yeah.
0: I understand. Um, what does your husband say about how things are now? And we should say we're recording this at the very, very end of April. It's nearly May. Um, mm-hmm. Have things started to open up there? And does that give you the same kind of preview of what's to come for Australia?
2: Um, I think they're sort of in that, I don't know, like a transition period. Um, like they had Shenzhen um, where they lived. It's called like a low risk um city Mm -hmm. but then I think there was another cluster so they went into like a second lockdown so I think in Australia we're very wary of that second wave hitting yes so where I live in uh Melbourne the premier of our state he's a little bit more strict like for term two he's just said school is not happening yeah whereas in other states they're sort of trying to bring in schooling like once a week or something okay or my state, just like no, not happening.
0: Yeah, I can relate to that because California also has been um, a more uh, cautious state, I guess. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm I always feel the need to say as of today because things change so quickly. But um, I think in the states we see that too. Different regional areas responding differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was going to ask you what feels hardest right now but i would imagine one of the things is you are truly a solo parent i mean many moms understand what it feels like to be solo for a while you Mm -hmm. really live it um and now are living it with you know not even knowing when the end is in sight is that one of the hardest one of the hardest parts of this
2: yes um just you know not having respite can be really hard so for me how i get around it is just being really strict with my kids like bedtime means mm-hmm. bedtime there is no staying up you go to bed at 8 and eight thirty, and then I have you know a couple of hours to myself during mm-hmm. the day and um like no judgment please but we have a Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. um so that buys me some sanity so my routine is that you know when I'm cooking because that's my happy place yeah. so I get my podcast in and they can watch their they can play their Nintendo Switch and I get my cooking in and that's sort of just you know, tides me over to, you know, the next um block of the craziness next block because...
0: <laughs> of time. I, I so relate yeah. to that. What about community and friendship for you? This has got to be very different from, you mm-hmm. know, because you're not then allowed to go out into the world like you talked about, um mm-hmm. with the grocery stores. Are you finding virtual connection with other moms? Are you and your husband continuing to stay in touch virtually? How are you getting other adult time right now?
2: Um, so I my husband is so bored right now that he keeps <laughs> calling me and I've pretty much banned him from calling me in the morning because that's when we do our remote learning and it's just like with the two-hour time difference when it's nine thirty here it's 7 there and he's what waking up and I'm like no I don't want to see you relaxing in bed when I'm in the middle of this you know trying to keep one person one little one busy and one focused on school i'm just like no you are not allowed to call me right now (laughs) so he just tries sporadically um during the day and i may or may not answer with a smile on my face (laughs) Uh, because we call each other on the video
0: Uh
2: um as for other friendships like you know it is what it is right now um if i drop off food at the friend's house we might have like a socially distanced 2 minute conversation and then I'm back in the car right and right. um my parents still live in singapore so we just call each other on video yeah. every now and then yeah 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 mm-hmm.
0: um it is i think taking its toll on mom's everywhere to um yeah. you know not not be able to come together in groups so it's really yeah. interesting um, I know you mentioned when you wrote to us that you've experienced some racism in public or that that is a thing that um, is happening, you know, all over mm-hmm. the world. But can you talk a little yep. bit about as much as you're comfortable about what it's like being an Asian family in Australia? And you can just speak from your own experience.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, like, Australia is very multicultural, so um, I feel generally really safe um, the suburb where i live in there's a lot of asian people but when the coronavirus was just sort, sort of still in china um and i used to see a lot of chinese people starting to walk around with masks mm-hmm. because in asia it's more like a courtesy sort of thing yes um i think whereas the the western mentality of or, or the perspective of the masks is sort of like really different yeah um so there would literally be you know um families crossing the road when they saw an Asian person mm-hmm. walking along with a mask. I mean, or they would just sort of very gently divert their path. Um, I've had friends who said they had, you know, open like looks and stares at them in the grocery store. Or one of them was saying like, oh, if she had like a, just a small cough, like, you know, sometimes you clear your right, you throat clear
0: your throat. Right. And
2: yeah. And then the like she noticed that like a whole like a whole Aussie cohort of people like they just went into reverse mode Mm -hmm. so that was kind of funny um but generally speaking it has been um it's been fairly normal but I uh, as I mentioned I prefer to shop at the Asian grocery stores for now and also partly that sort of to uh, support Asian businesses
0: yeah
2: um but um I think day-to-day living I guess you know being in social isolation and staying at home most of the time well then that doesn't expose you very much to people so then you don't expose yourself to any sort of attacks that may potentially have happened. Um, There have been a few stories in the media about um, Asian people being the subject of racial abuse and I think that's just really sad because um, these uh, stories are then picked up by media outlets in Asia and it's just blasted all over Asia. It's like I don't know why they do that. It's like a I don't know whether it's clickbait mm-hmm. or it's just sort of like look what's happening to other Asian people overseas. Like don't immigrate or mm-hmm. something. I don't know what it is. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Um. Well, what feels hopeful to you right now? What's bringing you points of hope?
2: Um. I would say you know that sentence. This too shall pass. Yeah. I think that's sort of like. Um. I remember when. Evan, my older one was, you know, in that newborn phase and it's just like, you don't know the difference between day or night. Mm -hmm. You don't know what day it is. You don't know if it's the weekend. Everything's just a blur, but eventually you come out of that. And then before you know it, one year of babyhood has passed and you're celebrating the first birthday Mm -hmm. and you're like, I made it. (laughs) So I know with this pandemic, one day we'll be like, oh, it's over, and we've made it out of it. So that's giving me hope.
0: Yeah, I love that perspective too. Especially because I find myself the you know the length of time that we just still don't know, and that's really hard for a lot mm-hmm. of people. And so, whether it's weeks or months or a year or two years, mm-hmm. there will be a time where this is in the past. And I think that's it's simple, but it is really helpful. And I I also find that hopeful. It's when Mm -hmm. it's when the amount of time is so unknown that it gets hard. And so you have to sort of zoom out and say, it doesn't matter (laughs) whether it's, you know, June 1st or 2021, it will be behind us one day. So um, I love that. Is there anything else? I mean, you've shared so much that's fascinating that so many of our listeners Um, just don't have access to being in another part of the world Mm -hmm. in another situation. Is there anything else you'd want our community to understand about what, you know, the experience you're living right now?
2: Um, I think just a bit of empathy to what solo parents, like I think you mentioned uh, military uh, families Mm -hmm. and there are so, so many families that have um, separate living arrangements for whatever reason it is or whether or not they choose to be still in that relationship. But it is hard on solo parents. Um and um yeah, just, you know, have a some slack. Yeah. If you still see a mom in the grocery store with, you know, three kids or how many kids, however many kids, she's definitely not doing that by choice. Right. <laughs> I would so love to go to the grocery store without my kids, but that's just not gonna happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good reminder. Um mm-hmm. well Janice. I can't believe that you listened to our podcast from Melbourne, Australia. And so it's been really fun for me to just hear your voice mm-hmm. today and to know that you're like, it's a different day where you are. I'm yeah. just, I'm really honored to have had this conversation. And I know our entire community is better mm-hmm. for having heard your experience. So thank you so much for being here today.
2: Like, Thank you for having me.
1: Sarah, the stories we've been hearing and sharing as part of this special Pandemic Perspective series are so important, and they've really got me thinking about ways to help and make an impact. I know that right now our listeners are also eager to make a difference, so we're excited to share a great opportunity from our friends at Crisis Text Line.
0: Yes, so Crisis Text Line offers 24-7 support from trained crisis counselors all delivered via text to people in crisis. As you can imagine, our current national situation with people stuck at home and sometimes in unsafe or unhealthy situations, it's really created a huge demand for extra mental health support.
1: Crisis Text Line is responding to that need by building up its base of volunteer crisis counselors. And this could be a perfect opportunity for you You don't have to have any particular education or work background to apply, just a desire to help out and empathy, which we know our listeners have so much of. Oh, yeah. And you'll also need a strong Wi-Fi signal.
0: You can do this important work during nap time, after the kids are in bed or before they get up in the morning. You can do it in your pajamas, on the sofa, wherever you are and whatever your home life situation crisis text line can accommodate you as a volunteer. Crisis Text Line provides all the training you'll need to turn your desire to help into the skills and knowledge you need to make a difference. It's actually 30 hours of training, so it's a big commitment, but you can be confident that you'll have the tools and information you need to do the work.
1: This is such a great way to make a difference right now when we know so many of you are feeling helpless because you're stuck at home. Just go to themomhour.com slash CTL. Even if you can't get started right now, it's a good idea to go through the application and training process because we know the mental health impact of COVID-19 is going to last for some time. Applying to become a crisis counselor is a great way to start the ball rolling on a volunteer opportunity that could be really rewarding and impactful
0: now and in the future. And if you're having a hard time right now and you need some help, you can also get support right now. Text GO to 741-741 and you'll be connected to a trained crisis counselor. It usually takes less than five minutes to connect with someone who can provide a listening ear. You don't have to be in a dire situation to reach out. Crisis Text Line really is for any situation where you need some extra help and support.
1: Again, if you're interested in applying to become a crisis counselor, go to themomhour.com slash CTL to get started. Or if you could use some support yourself, text GO to 741741 and you'll be matched with a counselor of your own. Again, that's themomhour.com slash CTL to apply to become a volunteer crisis counselor or you can text GO to 741741 to be connected with a crisis counselor. Hi everyone, I'm Megan Francis and you're listening to Pandemic Perspectives on the Mom Hour. Today I'm talking with Cassidy, a mom and stepmom of five from Texas. Cassidy, thank you for being here and tell us about your
3: family. Um, So I have two kids, uh, Clay and Cole, and they are four and one, almost two. And then my boyfriend has three kids, uh, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old, all girls.
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. So they're all under the age of seven. Yes. (laughs) yes, insane. Um, How long ago did your family size more than double, which probably felt like basically overnight. And what has that all been like?
3: So um, we've been together for a little over a year and we just recently decided to move in together. So um, we just went from having our own kids to mixing the five, um, it's been, it's been a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really great some days and then other days it's stressful. I think that's typical for any, if you have any amount of kids. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, they have all adjusted really, really well to everything. And they are already, they are with each other pretty much all the time, except for obviously when, um, the girls are with their mother. And they, they get along really well and we've been having a pretty, a pretty good time of it so far.
1: I can just imagine that would be like, um, (laughs) kind of like suddenly live in playmates and you know, that's great in some ways. And then also a little much, right. For the person who's in charge.
3: (laughs) Yes. yes. And and also for them, it's been a little, a little bit harder to just have to share everything with, you know, uh, way more kids than they had to before. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, so what do you do for a living? So I am a registered dental assistant. Um I specialize in orthodontics, so I'm typically I typically work um on braces, so that's like changing wires and colors and and stuff like that. Yeah, I've been
1: wondering about kids with orthodontia. I'm assuming most of them just aren't having like that routine maintenance done right now. It's just kind of on hold or how does that look?
3: So, yeah, we have stopped all appointments um for the past month and a half so far. We are taking um, emergencies and emergencies can, it goes from like a broken bracket or like a pokey wire to a trauma to the mouth. So it really all, all depends on what the patient decides is mm. an emergency. Yeah. Um, but even, even those we maybe have two a week we're, we're not taking very many patients at all. So
1: your job looks
3: way different than it did a couple
1: months ago. Yes. Yeah. Completely different. (laughs) So, are you while you're not, you know, taking those emergency appointments? Is there something else you need to be doing now from home? Is there any? Can you do orthodontia virtually in any way?
3: Um, So, we actually have adapted um, this new technology, and the name of it is slipping my mind at the moment. But basically, it is um, virtual appointments where we we instruct the patient on how to take a picture inside their mouth, so we can make sure there's not any. damage happening without us being there to check on them monthly. Mm, Okay. So we've, we've been slowly adapting that It hasn't been, um, going as fast as I, I assume the bosses would like, right. Because it is a lot for the patient and for us, but, um, and, and even that it's, it's very limited. So a lot of it, no, we're not doing it from home.
1: Yeah. And you're, so you're trying to adjust to this new, um, way of working and you're home with five kids much of the week. So I imagine that feels pretty hard.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And um, so my boyfriend is still, is still working full time. So he's in the room working from home. Um, He administrates 401ks so he can do that from home, thankfully, but I'm, I'm the one who is out there with the kids all day, all five of them. It's a weird schedule for them. So it's two days on two days off, three days on. Okay. So, One week we'll have them for five days. The next week we'll only have them for two. Okay. So the weeks with five days are a lot more difficult than the other ones, obviously. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Is there anything else that's hard about what's going on right now?
3: No, not really. We are just, our bosses are just now, Texas is uh, in phase one of reopening as of today. So our bosses are um, kind of giving us an ultimatum, whether... We stay home to if we don't feel like it's safe or to come in and keep our jobs. So that, that's that been kind of difficult this last couple of days trying to make a decision um, on that. Mm. But other than that, I feel like we've really gotten into the hang of things lately. Yeah, it does Finally. feel like
1: people are kind of finding their groove. And of course, just as soon as we find our groove, things are going to change again, right? <laughs> yes, exactly.
3: <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> well, what feels
1: hopeful to you right now?
3: Really? The kids they have been handling this so much better than I could have even imagined, and probably better than I'm handling it. They are just pulling us together and just randomly coming up and giving us a hug and reminding us like we love you it's mm. it's been it's been really really helpful with them. They've been really great
1: I love that, especially because with you know that many kids under seven like that could really be very hairy, so it's nice to know that they're they're pulling you know they're like pulling together and i've noticed the same about my kids like they really have been handling this very well um much more taking it in stride than i feel like i am at times
3: so yes absolutely yeah. yeah
1: well what do you wish other moms um and listeners understood about maybe your perspective from the job that you do or the situation that you have
3: as a stepmom just what do you what do you want other moms to know just from my job just really be patient with us it's not us wanting to not see your kids or not wanting To do your appointments, we're really just trying to do what we feel is best and safest for our patients, but also being the safest for our uh, us employees as well. Yeah,
1: I can imagine there's some disappointed uh, preteens out there who were really hoping to get their braces off (laughs) during the last couple of months, and that's been put off. Right? Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that is. It's really interesting because it's one of those jobs where you don't really think about the myriad ways where this has affected. like we think about the big things, like you can't go to restaurants, you can't, but like you can't get your braces tightened. You can't, there's all these like random things and that affects, it's just this like spiral um, or a ripple effect where it affects multiple people, including you in that job of now having to work it out with your kids at home, um, which has been really hard for a lot of us, I think.
4: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Cassidy,
1: for being on the show. Um, I loved hearing your perspective and best of luck as you make your decision about how you're going to handle the next the next phase of whatever this is. Thank you so much,
3: Megan.
0: We have so enjoyed getting to know so many of you and hearing your stories for this series. It's just really eye opening to get a sense of how this is all playing out in different families and careers and communities across the United States and beyond.
1: Yes, and if you've been listening along and thinking, oh, I wish they'd done a story that reflects my experience, here's your chance. We're still looking for guests to be interviewed as a part of the series over the next few weeks, and we would love to share your story.
0: In particular, we're still looking for stories of small business owners and employees, retail, restaurant, hospitality, service businesses, people whose livelihoods have been interrupted and will continue to be impacted by COVID-19. If that's you, or if you have another story you'd love to share with us, Please visit themomhour.com slash perspectives to fill out a short form letting us know more about your story and we'll be in touch. Again, that's themomhour.com slash perspectives to let us know how COVID-19 is impacting you, your family, your business, and your community. We hope to hear from you soon. Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Powers, and you are listening to Pandemic Perspectives on the Mom Hour. Today, I'm talking with Stephanie, a mom of two from Washington State. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. And Tell us about your family, how many kids you have, and what you do for a living.
4: Yeah, thank you. Um, So my husband and I have been married for almost five years, and we have two little girls. One is almost two and a half, and the other is six months old. And I'm a nurse. I work at a local hospital and have worked there for over a decade, and most of that time has been spent in the ICO.
0: Okay. And wow. And so you have a little baby as well. And are you working full-time right now or part-time?
4: I work two days a week with the glory of nursing. There's a lot of different schedules, Uh but two 12-hour shifts a week.
0: Okay. So let's talk about the ICU. Can you maybe paint us a picture of what ICU nursing looks like before a pandemic? Just like, just (laughs) kind of like what a shift would be like and what your kind of core responsibilities are?
4: Yeah. Um, ICU nursing is, um, obviously it's intense, it's intensive care. Mm -hmm. And I, um, will be in charge of usually two patients who are most likely on some form of life support, meaning like a ventilator or medications to keep their heart rate and their vital signs stable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, before a pandemic, you could walk in and out of a patient's room pretty freely without Mm -hmm. fear of being exposed to something. Right. And, uh, we had ample supplies. If you did need to wear, you know, masks or whatever, um, there was not that fear all the time for your own life.
0: Right. So that brings us to what work looks like for you right now. Um, as we record this at the very end of April, um, the pandemic's now been going on for a couple of months. Um, I'd love for you to just talk about, um, what work looks like for you right now? And specifically those things you mentioned, um, the personal protective equipment and the, you know, the hospital rules and everything visitors and how you interact with patients. Just, um, how does life look different at the hospital than it did a couple months ago?
4: Yeah. I mean, I came back to work from maternity leave just two months ago. So I walked into this brand new fear. Um, my hospital is one of the first ones in the state to have this virus and so a lot of us had no idea how bad it could get Um, we were seeing news from Italy and that was really scary and so we were preparing for the worst and with um, all the fears I think that just drives everyone into panic mode and people get really snippy and upset and so it just was a lot of, um, just a lot of emotion. Like mm-hmm. people were so tense all the time. And I, I'd, I'd not seen a lot of my coworkers feel that way before. And yeah. it was just, that was really hard. It was just, it was scary. Cause everyone was afraid they'd bring it home to their own families. Sure. And I, um, I'm, I was afraid I'd bring it home to my two little girls and I'm pumping at work, wondering if my milk is safe to give to my daughter and yeah. just all these things. Um, but as time's gone by, I think we've done a really good job of kind of adapting yeah. And um have quickly figured out what's working for us. Um I've never felt that I didn't have the proper PPE okay. for my situation. Our hospital's been really, you know, planned ahead for that and been very careful. Okay. But um that still doesn't take away some of that fear, you know. Sure.
0: As you're talking, I'm thinking um that there's probably a even though we're still very much in the middle of this experience. Um, there was probably an adjustment period for you all of a few weeks where things were changing so rapidly. Do you feel like now I, the, the phrase new normal is being thrown around so, so much right now and nothing about this is normal. Um, but do you feel like, you know, what to expect when you go into a shift now in a way that you didn't, um, when this was so rapidly developing?
4: Yeah, Definitely we um we know what to expect, and we know how to support each other
0: mm, I love that. and we
4: yeah, we know what each other needs, um and I think that um hard times like this really bring um forward like strength your teamwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to word that better, but that people um when you go through something hard, that trial really brings you closer together yeah. and that's happened for I us. love that
0: I love that. Can you talk a little bit about um, your relationship with patients in the ICU? If everyone um, and forgive my kind of just not knowing here, but many of your patients are on some kind of life support, which means they're probably not, you know, up and chatting with you. And then now they can't have visitors either. Are you interfacing at all with with loved ones and family members? Do you have any patients who are, um, you know, awake and talking with you or or not?
4: Yeah, I, I have both patients who are, you know, totally unresponsive mm-hmm. from whatever reason to yeah, they're, they're awake, they're talking, they're texting their families. Okay. Um And uh, like most hospitals, we don't allow visitors unless it's usually like an end of life kind of goodbye. Okay. And so I've been on the phone with family members multiple times a day, each shift, giving them updates, okay. answering questions, asking them just really hard questions yeah. that I think they would, um, that should never be over the phone, you yeah. know, they should be face to face. And so I have, um, depending on if that patient is awake or not, I feel that the relationship I develop with that person becomes immediately stronger because yeah. I have to be that fill in person for them. Yeah, And in nursing, you're always your patient's advocate. mm mm-hmm but the family member is usually there with them, especially in the ICO because it's most always some sort of life or death situation. Right. And and so um, having the ability to immediately connect with that patient, I feel is important to yeah. help them get through this and then also to make their family feel heard and included.
0: I can just imagine as a family member, I can just imagine what a uh huge relief. It would feel like if you had someone on the other end of the phone who was compassionate and patient. And so you were just doing such important work with those phone conversations. I'm so sure. What feels hardest for you right now at home, at work? What's, what's the kind of biggest struggle that you're seeing right now for yourself?
4: I feel really lucky because we're, we're still stuck at home all the time anyway, with two little kids. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't really affected me on the home level as much, but what's been hard is kind of what we talked about with just the lack of human interaction mm-hmm. and the lack of like face-to-face time with, with people at work. It's, it's I feel a lot of um, just burden to, to make sure that my patients' families feel included and are able to connect with their loved one. Mm-hmm. And I am setting up, phone conversations so that the families can at least talk to the patient and hold the phone up to their ear for however long. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, setting up family members to come in just, you know, for for a few minutes to say goodbye to their loved one. And they have Mm -hmm. to come by themselves and they have to, they can't stay and sit vigil at the bedside if their family member is going to pass. They Mm -hmm. have to leave and then I have to call later and let them know. So those kind of things are really hard. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be a a grieving process later on, once yeah. a lot of this has sort of settled to kind of look back and be like, wow, yeah, that was, that was really hard. Yeah. And that's not something I, I hope to have to do ever again. Right. But it, it's also like, it's hard, but it's such a privilege to be the one doing that because I know it's important work. Yeah. And I feel just so honored to get to be that person for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Um, what feels hopeful right now to you? You are you are as on the front lines as anybody else. I would love to hear anything small or big that feels hopeful right now.
4: I have been so amazed by um, people just reaching out to me, who you know, family and friends, or um, even people that I haven't heard from in a while, just to check in. Mm-hmm. And they know what I do, and that and that means a lot to me. And my church community has been really, um, praying for me a lot. Mm -hmm. And that just, that piece has, has really made a difference for me just having a lot of hope from, from my faith and, um, seeing everything kind of big picture, like knowing that this is really hard right now, Mm -hmm. but that in big picture things will change.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Is there anything that you want to share that you think moms might not understand about um, your situation or your work or just anything else you want to leave us with today?
4: Yeah. I mean, I hope, you know, I don't want people to have to understand this because working in the ICU, you just see like really horrible things and you just kind of get used to it, Mm. but it certainly changes my perspective on, um, on how I view my family, I just, I savor those people yeah. um, I, and my parents, I just, I'm at work and I'm just texting. them like, Hey guys, just know I love you. No. Like, I don't know if I will get to, see you know, you don't know if you'll get to see them again.
0: Yeah.
4: Um, and just really savoring those people and trying to not get too, um, discouraged by the mundane details of life, but yeah. just, you know, looking at the mess in my home and seeing, actually, I have two wonderful little children who this mess wouldn't be here without them. And I'm thankful for them. Yeah. So just trying to have that perspective because I can, I've seen what, what can happen. Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
0: Well, Stephanie, I just so appreciate you taking time out from your day to be here with us today. And I mean, on behalf of literally everyone listening, thank you for what you're doing. Cause it's incredible. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening, and that way you'll get notified when our new episodes drop, both the regular parenting and motherhood topics you're used to hearing from the Mom Hour, as well as this special series.
1: Also, if you're enjoying our podcast episodes during this time, we'd so appreciate your support in the form of a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Ratings and reviews help others find the show, and they help us
0: continue to grow so we can reach more moms. We'll be back with you on Tuesday with another all-new episode of The Mom Hour. Talk to you then.
1: Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Tease Made. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.
0: The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.